welcome to the Apex Church Podcast. Thanks for listening and we hope you enjoyed today's message. Be sure to check out our website at www.apexchurch.org.uk and let us know you've been listening. Now prepare your heart to hear a word from God today. determines the level of impartation. We say that again for Michael and Stephanie. So often, the level of expectation determines the level of impartation. So who's expecting something from God? Who, who needs God in an area of your life, your family, your business? Come on. Who's got a bit of 
expectation. Why don't we stand and we're going to pray? Sorry to get you off to the like karaoke, but that's okay. Come on, let's pray. Father, this is your house. These are your people. This is your word. We ask that by your Holy Spirit, you would breathe upon it into every heart, from the youngest to the oldest, those at the front and those up in the balcony. May we come with expectation and hear from heaven in Jesus' name. And everyone with a bit of faith said a big loud, Amen. Amen. You can take your seats. Ephesians 3.20, one of my favorite verses, and I've never preached on it till this year, it says this, now to him. The focus of this message is him. It's not me, it's no one else, it's him. I want you to focus Apex Church on him, who he is, what he can do. Now to him who is able to do exceedingly and abundantly and above all that we can ask or think according to the power of God that works in us. The title of my message is really simple. God is able. I want us to look at him. Look at God. Stop looking at ourselves. Start to look at God. Now to him who is able. In Greek that's a word dunamis from which we get the English word dynamo or dynamic or dynamite. What does it mean that God is able? It means that he is capable he is strong and he is powerful. And most of us have heard that, but I wonder, do we really know how capable and strong and able God is? The message paraphrase of Ephesians 3.20 says this, God can do anything you know. God can do anything. About six months ago, I received an, e an email from a member of our church. His name is Mark Taylor. He's the chaplain in the NNN hospital. You can imagine what this guy's been through the last few years. First on the scene, when someone's dying, he's there for the parents when tragedy hits. And he's a former Baptist minister. He's a man of God. And he's a good man. And he sent me this email and he said, yesterday... I got a call from the neonatal intensive care unit because tragically a full-term baby was born and tested as brain dead. You talk about a tragedy. You imagine having to face that four years ago, Daniel. And so the baby was being kept alive on a monitor simply until the organ transplant team arrived because the family had consented to do that which was a really courageous thing to do but they asked for the chaplain to come and pray for and bless and baptize this little baby so Mark gets the call and he goes down to the neonatal intensive care you can only imagine 
the grief and the tears of mum and dad and other members of the family that had arrived. And so he was given some sterile water by the hospital. He took that water and he sprinkled the head of that little baby and prayed for it and he comforted the family. And after about 30 minutes, he left. Later that afternoon, he got another call from the neonatal intensive care. And they called him and they said, Mark, what did you do to that baby? He was a bit defensive at first. He said, well, I, I prayed for the baby. He said, we don't know what you did, but that baby's brain has started to work and is functioning completely well. completely healed. Why? Because God is able. He can do anything you know. Far more than you can ask or think. God is able. So how are your expectation levels this morning? So easy to allow the tough seasons that life brings. The things that life throws at us to temper a level of expectations so that they lessen. Maybe you're here and you're thinking, Steve, I was once filled with expectation. Something happened in my personal life, in my family, and it was like the toothpaste slowly squeezed out. So now I find it really hard to trust God. And instead of looking at what God can do, I find my mind going to all the things that he cannot do or didn't do. You went from expectation to limitation. What he can't do. Somebody said something. Somebody did something. A prayer wasn't answered. You're wondering why. There's another voice. But when you hear a miracle story like the Mark Taylor story, you say, you're kind of pleased for that person. But another voice says, well, what about me? Where's my miracle? How come I didn't receive? And another voice says, well, maybe it's that you're not good enough. Or you didn't have enough faith. That's a tough voice to listen to. But it's there. When you pull up the drawbridge, and you hide behind the high walls of low expectation and limitation. Alexander Pope said this, Blessed is he who expects nothing for he shall never be disappointed. Come on, how many of you have ever felt like that? Yeah. It's easier just not to believe. And you've learned to live with what I call a two hard box. And inside of this box is all the things that you think God can't do. That it's too hard for God, so you just pop things in there. Some of you have only got a little box. Some of you have got a big box. And you've given up. And you've just left things in that too hard box. Dr. Martin Seligman is the founder of positive psychology. And he studied people who went through trauma and setbacks in life. Come on, how many's had a setback in life? That's everyone in this building. 
And he watched how in India they train elephants. This is cool. They took a baby elephant, and what they did was they took a thick wooden stake and they drove it into the ground and then they concreted this stake in the ground. They took a chain and they fastened it to the stake and the other end to the leg of the baby elephant. And so the baby elephant grew up and it had a certain amount of freedom, but when it reached the limit, it would feel a tug on its ankle. But because that stake was concreted into the ground, there was nothing the baby elephant would do. It would kick, it would try, but every time it would pull tight, and that became the limitation for the baby elephant. Year after year, they did that until eventually, here's what the baby elephant did. As soon as it felt the tug, it gave up. It learned limitation. And then what they do is they take that baby elephant and when it became mature, they would sell it to the circus. And they taught the circus master that when they got the baby elephant, when they got this full grown elephant, I mean, it was a beast. It would be half the size of a stake. And all they needed to do was to take a simple wooden stake, no need for any concrete, just pop the stake in and a thin chain around its ankle and that massive beast of an animal, the second it felt the tug, it would stop in its tracks. I mean, think about how crazy that is. At any point, that bull elephant could flick its leg and that stake would have gone flying and it would have walked free. But it has learnt helplessness. Learnt limitation. I wonder, have you ever allowed a small stake to limit you? One event, one unanswered prayer, one circumstance, and now you've given up in every area of your life. And you're here this morning and you say, Steve, I'd love to break through. But I've just learned to live with low expectation. Martin Seligman also did a fascinating study, this time on rats. Who doesn't like rats? But he studied rats. And here's what they did in a laboratory is they, they, they took rats and they put them in a bucket, big bucket of water, and they drop in the rat and see how long the rat would swim for. And the rats would swim for about 10 minutes. And then they'd think, that's it, this is too hard, I'm going to drown, I'm going to die, and the rat would give up after about 10 minutes. So here's what the, what the researchers did. They would reach down, lift out the rat, and feed it. Put it straight back in. This time, the rat, how long do you think it swam for? 18 minutes. Then they did it again. Repeated the experiment, dropped it in. This time, let it kept going. Eventually, reached down this time, 30, 30 minutes. And they kept repeating this exercise. Each time the rat thought it was going to drown, would reach down, lift it out, feed it, 
and it would go on. Do you know how long the rats learn to swim for? 37 hours. 37 hours. Why? Because if you could learn limitation, learn helplessness, you can learn hopefulness. I've got good news for you in Pinderhead this morning. The rats are here to preach to you. If you feel like a drowned rat, which you heard in a prophetic word this morning, if you feel like you're going to drown, you feel like giving up, I've got good news. You've got a Father in heaven who will reach down and lift you up and feed you. Keep swimming. Keep going. Look at this verse, Psalm 145, 15 says, The eyes of all look to you in hopeful expectation. And you give them food in due time. Just when you need it, friend, don't give up. Keep swimming, no matter how much the enemy is thrown against you and your family, because in due time, just when you need it, just when you feel like you're going to drown, he is going to reach down and lift you. How good is God? God is able. He is capable. He is strong. He's powerful. But how capable, strong, and powerful is God. Let's explore this. I've preached this verse. Now to him who's able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we can ask of him. I've, I've mentioned it, I've quoted it for years, but I've never studied it. But this year I kind of rung it out. Sometimes you've got to do that with a Bible verse. Some, some parts of the Bible, it's not enough to hear it or read it. Sometimes you've got to see. You've got to see. And I saw something in this verse, and I want you to see it. Now to him who's able to do, exceedingly, abundantly, and above, all that you, and you in the balcony, can ask or think. So let's start to see this word. You've got your two hard bonds. But this verse says that God can do more than you can ask or think. He can do more. These are a bit ropey, Daniel. I'll have to press them down. He can do more than you can ask or think. 1997 Rachel and I went to a pastor's conference in Phoenix, Arizona, with a guy called Pastor Tommy Barnett. I wonder if you could just pass me that water. It's right there. Look at that photographer. What a fine-looking fella he is. Come on, let's get it. Who's all the in there? Maybe the prey can be But he is a good man. We went to this pastor's conference. Now remember, we're from, I'm from County Durham. I'm from a little village called Rushy Ford. It's called Rushy Ford because there was a rushing ford through it, a little river. There was about 25 people lived in the village I was from. And uh, so I'm used to, you know, a small church uh, in the northeast, the armpit of England, all right? And uh, we went to this pastors and leaders conference with a guy called Tommy Barnett. And 
We didn't know what to expect, but when we got there, we soon realized this was different to any pastor's conference we'd ever been to. Firstly, there were 10,000 pastors there. How many of that's a lot? That's a spiritual place, all right? And we sat right up in the balcony in this amazing church in Phoenix. And it started with what was called a parade of ministries. And what that was, was that church had listened to this, 234 different ministries. Most of them were outreach ministries into the city of Phoenix. And so the, the lights went down, the drums started to roll, and one by one over the next hour, each ministry would parade down the center. They'd carry uh, a flag naming their ministry, and then all of the teens would follow down in the t-shirt for their ministry. And you talk about a moving time. I mean, there was every type of ministry. There were minist ministries to prostitutes. Prostitutes. There were ministries to street kids. There were ministries to skateboarders. But the one that really got me was called the Sunbeams Ministry. And that was a ministry to different, differently abled adults. Uh, people with Down Syndrome and things like that. And different ministries, Pastor Tommy would invite them up. And then he, he would interview some of them. And this beautiful young girl got up from the Sunbeams Ministry with Down Syndrome. And she talked about how much she loved Pastor Tommy and how much she loved Jesus. And let me tell you, there was not a dry eye in the house. 10,000 pastors just weeping. Why? Because we touched on the heart of God. A church that wanted to reach every person in the community. No matter what their background, what their skin color. This was something of heaven. Rach and I sat there having seen a picture of the church as it could be. And we went, the next day, Pastor Tommy said, I'm going to do a, a training session on evangelism so we can train you how to go back to your churches and build a, a church like this. I thought, I'm in, Neil. I mean, I was ready. I'd done a degree in theology, but I was not as hungry ever in my life as to hear what he told me because I thought, I want this in Norwich, England. And so I remember there was Rachel and me and the mother-in-law. All right, Joyce, who's a incredible woman of God. We sat there. We had our notebooks out. Pastor Tommy came in. We had an hour and a half. Couldn't wait. And he came in and he handed out a tract. Remember tracts, some of you? All right. This was a different tract because on one side it was English. On the other side it was in Spanish. And it was an invite to the night service. And so he said, you came here expecting me to give you 10 points. He said, but I'm giving all of you 50 tracts and there are 50 buses lined up outside. And you're all going to get on the bus. We're going to drop you off in downtown Phoenix. And you are going to invite people back to church tonight. And we're going to believe for 1,000 people to come to Christ in the service. And you'll learn more tonight than you will in any seminar. I'm thinking, oh no. <laughs> I mean, sorry for Rachel, because she looks Spanish, doesn't she? Alright, she looks dark. And, and uh, so we got on this bus, there were six of us. There was a guy on the bus who had been visiting this part of Phoenix for 10 years. Feeding the, feeding the poor. Praying for families. And he'd been explained that he'd been doing these few streets in downtown Phoenix for 10 years. And he said, you just got to 
got to be prepared. It's a very poor area, and uh, nobody speaks English. I thought, great. I mean, I, I hardly speak English anyway. But he said he only speaks Spanish. I didn't know a word of Spanish. And so I had an hour to knock on doors and invite people who don't understand me to church. I'm thinking, I'm thinking, if this was England, nobody would come. Right? But then I was, you can just imagine me, I mean, it's rough downtown. I'm banging on these doors, and when the people answered, I'm saying, I'm holding up this Spanish track, I'm going, to church, bus, 6.30, all right? And they're, they're smiling, thinking, who is this nutter, all right? And, and I'm expecting nobody to come. But we did that hour, walked back to the bus, and there's a queue of people waiting to go on. Why? Because they've been fed and loved and believed in. And so literally, we let all the guests on the bus. There was nowhere for us to sit. We were standing there, Rachel and I, thinking, this is unbelievable. Then I thought, what are we going to do with all these people? Because ours was just one bus. It was 50. And the place was jammed last night with 10,000 people. How are you going to get all the pagans into church? And so we rocked up. And it was chaos. The ushers were trying to squeeze the main young people were sitting at the front. And it was one of those American churches, you'll have seen them there, where they've got sister act. You know, they've got all the choirs in all of their robes. And it's a big, massive, massive, and there must have been three or four hundred of them up there. So obviously an usher comes and says, you lot, out. And so you see all the choir robes go out, and you see all of these street people fill up. I mean, some of them are drunk, some of them are dressed inappropriately. I mean, I'm thinking, this is going to be epic. So Pastor Tommy gets up, places packed with all of these people who are new to church. And he does this amazing illustrated sermon. And he has a car on the screen, he talks about when he was in a car wreck, but he called out to Jesus and reached him. And he said, you too, whatever's going on in your world, you'll cry out to Jesus. And he gave an appeal. And we watched, it was like being in a Billy Graham meeting. People slipped out of their seats from the back, from the front, from the choir stalls. There was 1,012 people stirred at that altar while we all wept at what God had done. You see, God can do anything. Yeah, yeah. Far more than yes. you can ask or imagine. That conference finished. On the last night, they commissioned us, and as we left, the church building, they gave us a seed. We all walked up onto a mountain behind the church. They called it their prayer mountain. This was the key to their church. We all went up and they put beautiful lanterns all the way up the mountain. It was about 11 p.m. at night. We walked to the top of this mountain with our seeds. It was Trevor and Joyce Pimlock, that's Rachel's parents. It was me and Rachel. And it was a young 17-year-old guy whose name is John Norman. We all went up that mountain. We planted seeds. And we said, God, it's a long way from Phoenix, but there's a city called Norwich that nobody's heard of, even in England. Nobody ever goes there. But God, you see it. Would you do something like this in Norwich? We believe God. 17 year old little naughty kid that did all kinds of things that I can't even tell you about is now our senior pastor of Soul Church. 
Rachel's parents are still in the church. Me and Rachel served John and Chantel. And those three generations, we're all serving together in the same church. So 25 years later, 25 years later, God has started to build our church in Norwich. It's amazing. Most weekends we'll get between 1,000 and 1,500 people. But at this time of year we do something which is, we've intentionally planned to be our gift to our city. We call it the wonder. It's a Christmas, pantomime, theatrical production, Disney, preach the gospel thing. And in our city it's so expensive to go to the theatre royal. If you want to go there as a family, it's going to put you back 150 quid. So we make sure that the wonder is free for anybody. And we've gradually built that each year. Last year, we needed to put on 17 services. We can get 700 in the church. We have to do 17 services over two weekends. And last year, we had 10,000 people walk through the front door. And a thousand people Last week, we put on the tickets for this year's The Wonder. We released them in stages. The first release was 6,500 tickets. We advertised them going on sale at 8 p.m. Sunday night. Within 70 minutes, 6,500 sold out. We released the last lot this week at 8 a.m. Wednesday morning. They went in eight minutes. The world is hungry. People are hurting. They need some hope. But of all of the productions we do at the Wonder, last year we did 17, this year we're doing 18. There's one that was very special. So we work with a school called the Clare School. And it's for differently abled children. In fact, the most severely differently abled children in the whole of our county. I mean, these kids are very, very sick. And their parents have been through hell looking after these kids. We've built a relationship with this school and they said to us, we haven't done a Christmas production for three years. Would Soul Church consider doing one for us? <coughs> I mean, our cast were wiped out, they're tired. But we said, we'd love to do one for you. I think we might have a picture, I don't know whether you've got it. Yeah. This is a picture of what, what happened that night, I'll never forget. All of these kids and their families, they're so differently able, some of them were on trolleys. Most of the place was decked out in beanbags because these kids can have fits at any moment. And their parents came in crying. Just walking in the building that we would do this to them. And we did a wonder for those kids and their families. Afterwards, my mind went back 25 years to that mountain when we said, God, would you do this in Norwich? 10,000 people walked through our doors. 1,000 made decisions. And we reached the sunbeams of our city. Why? Because God is able. God is able to do exceedingly and abundantly above all that you can ask of. For some of you, God has put dreams in your heart 
many years ago and you put those dreams in the too hard box but the good news is whatever you can ask whatever you can think God can do above that your thinking can only limit God that's our biggest problem our thinking limits us but as I start to land this message there are three more words in this verse that I want to highlight it said God can do exceedingly and abundantly and above. Just explain this to you. The reason there are three words is because there's a very unique word in Greek that Paul uses. He uses this, this word and it's the full word is this. I, I don't know whether we've got it on the screen but it's hyper. There it is. Ek. That's a long word. It's actually three words combined together. Now, Paul loves double compound T. Many times in the Greek New Testament, he puts two words together and makes them a compound. A compound is when you put two words together. But this word is very rare because it's not just a compound, it's a double compound. It's three words strung together. It's not hyperperisu or ekperisu or hyperek. It's three words. Hyper-ek-perisu. F.F. Bruce called it a super superlative. It's as if Paul is straining to find a word that has the ability to capture just how strong and powerful God is so no ordinary word will do. So he comes up with this word, hyper ek heresy. You say, what, are these, what does this word mean? Well, let's take hyper. The word hyper. If I wanted to buy some sausages for the men at a breakfast, I could go down into Norwich. We've got some lovely markets. So I could go into the markets and buy a dozen sausages. But if I wanted to go to the next step up, I would go not to a market, I would go to a supermarket. I'd go to Tesco's or Asda, and they would have a wider selection. So I could get more sausages. But if I really wanted to go to the next level, I would go not to a market, not to a supermarket, I would go to a hypermarket like Costco. The word hyper is an intensifier. It, it means bigger. Some of you have got kids who are hyperactive. How many of you got one for that? Some of you girls have got husbands who are hypochondriacs. No, I didn't say that. <laughs> but the word hyper is translated here as, here it is, God can do exceedingly. It's a good word, isn't it? When I think of the word exceedingly, I think of Mr. Kipling's cakes. They are not just good cakes, they are exceedingly good cakes. Who would agree with me? Well, I've got more response to that than anything I've said so far, which is awesome. Even in the balcony, they got that one. Exceedingly. God can't just do what you can ask or think. He can do 
exceedingly more than you can ask. In fact, it doesn't just stop there. It says the word ek means exceedingly and abundantly. Now we're getting ropey, Daniel. <laughs> it could take a miracle. He can do not just more than you think, more than you ask. He can do exceedingly and abundantly and above all. There's a miracle taking place before our very eyes. But how good is that? I wonder where, where your expectation level is. Have you packed your too hard box so full with all the things God can't do? Or maybe this morning you need to start to lift your expectation. Why? Because God is hyper ec in fact, we stopped here, but really, if we had all the boxes in the world, it would not limit what God can do. God can do anything. Why? Because He is able. Every time someone says, Steve, will you pray for me? Usually I text back, God is able. Because I remember this, this picture. So how are your expectation levels? For your marriage, for your family your finances, for that situation that you're feeling right now, then I'm going to close with one more thing. One more thing that's remarkable about this verse. You enjoying this verse? Yeah. Yeah. Seeing it afresh? It says, Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all he can ask for according to the power that works where? Paul has already talked in Ephesians about God's power. It's quite remarkable. The team come up. If you look back in Ephesians 1, you'll find this verse. It says, And what is the exceeding greatness of his power towards us who believe, according to the working of his mighty power, which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him in his right hand in heavenly places? How many know that's a pretty cool example of God working his mighty power? When he took somebody that was dead and he raised him to new life and sat him high above every rule and authority. How many know that's a working of power? And that's what Paul says the first time in the book of Ephesians. But now, in Ephesians 3.20... It says to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all we can ask him, according to his power that works where? Where does it work? In Christ? No. That's where it worked the first time. Now he says that power is working, making sure I don't fall down the steps, in you. Where's his power working? What's your name, my friend? Scott, that's a great name. In you. Where's his power working? The same power that raised Christ from the dead is now working and operating inside of you. In your marriage. In your business. In whatever struggle you're facing right now. God can do all of those things through you. You know our world needs to see God's power working in you. I don't know whether you've noticed, but our, wor our world is hurting, our world is broken, our world is creaking, 
The Bible says all of creation is groaning, eagerly awaiting the manifestation of the sons and the women of God. Remember the day I discovered what God can do when you make yourself available. I was working at the time, Daniel, in the YMCA. I was working with some of the toughest kids in our city. A lot of them very broken. There was a girl that happened to come to our church. She's a great young girl. She's about 13, 14 years of age. She was in a swimming gala. She won a race in the swimming gala and beat her best friend. Best friend got jealous. As she climbed out of the pool, her friend called her a fat cow. She should never say, especially to a 14 year old girl. But those words became like a seed, got into her mind. She convinced herself she was fat. She developed an eating disorder. She went from eight stone to just under five stone. Was in and out of hospital. Nothing was helping her. Nothing was shifting. Life was a mess. The parents were desperate. That weekend in our church, we had a guy preaching, and Neil, you'll know this guy, his name was Don Swag. He preached across the church that weekend, he was powerful. He talked about being filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. All across the Sunday, he talked about this. Monday morning, I went into my office. This is a good thing to do on Monday. I said, okay God, you spoke to me, about being filled with the Holy Spirit on Sunday. It's now Monday. I'm in my office in a high school filled with unsaved kids that need help. I said, Holy Spirit, tell me what I need to do. Tell me how I can help. He said, call this girl. Clear, clear as crystal, call. So I picked up the phone. Call her. How are you? She went quiet. She said, How did you know to call me? And so I was honest. I said, I was praying for you and I felt the Holy Spirit say, Call you. She's a church girl. She was slumped on the bathroom floor in her parents' bathroom. She'd gone through the filing cabinet, she'd got every drug she could find. She had paracetamol. She just filled a glass of water. She was about to drink the water and kill herself. She had 45 different pills. Literally about to kill herself. She said, how did you know? I said, God knew. God knew. Why? Because he can do exceedingly and abundantly above all you can ask of him according to his power that works in you. This was not about how good Steve is for one second. Do not think that. This is about his power working. There are people in Peterhead. There are people in northeast Scotland that need you to allow God's power to work through. Can you imagine what would happen in this town if we all did that this week? If we all did this over the Christmas period, as those gifts go out, to the most vulnerable people. Can you imagine what could happen? This should be the brightest season for the church yes, to show. Yes. Darkness is all over our nation right now. 
Fino alla città. Just close your eyes. I'd love to pray for a couple of groups of people. It might be in the balcony, it might be in the back, it might be in the front, wherever you are. God knows you're here. So we received a prophetic word about people feeling like they were drowning. None of those people knew that right story it was in my notes. And some of you are in this room and you feel like, God, I'm drowning. I can't see a way through. You feel like you don't have the strength to keep going on because you're facing situations. Failing things and you've struggled. You've worked so hard, but you know you can't make it on your own strength. You need God to do something in your sin. If that's you, I'd love to pray for you. Would you just raise up your hand? Come on, all across this room, if that's you, lift your hand up. If you know you need God to come through. If you feel like you're drowning, that's it. Thank you. Come on, church, all across this room. Let's pray. Let's pray. Jesus, right now we come before you. We lift up every one of these situations to you. We don't have the answers, but we thank you that you do. And God, would you reach down into the buckets of our lives and would you reach every one of these people? God, in this due season, would you pick them out and lift them up? Would you feed them? Thank you that you brought them here to hear this word. I pray it would strengthen them. God, that you would do something so significant this morning. You would either transform the external situation or you will transform them internally. Give them the strength to keep swimming, to keep going, to keep trusting you. In Jesus' name. Amen. This is another group of people. I'd love to pray for just briefly. You're in this building. God has put dreams in your heart. Things in your heart. But if you're honest, life has crushed that level of expectation. You've stepped back. You've settled down. And most of us have to some degree in this season. But as I talked about that girl, as I talked about the power of God working through you, something started to stir on the inside. Because you know that your life is not just to survive, but God wants you to make a difference to the hurting and the broken. And afresh this morning, God wants to stir that up. So if that's you, if you're willing to say, God, I need your power to work in me and through me. If that's you, I'd love to pray for you. Would you just raise your hand? Come on. There's something fresh. Something is stirred up within you. You say, God, I want to be used by you. That's beautiful. All across this room. Come on, why don't we all just lift our hands afresh? All across. Jesus. Lord, there's only so much we can do in our own strength. Right now, we come afresh to you. We ask for your power to fill us again. Lord, would you stir up the gifts of God within the people of Apex Church? Lord, would you deposit afresh your power and your fire in them? And God, would it work through them in their family, in their workplace, in their ministry within this church? Stir it up again, I pray. 
May we never be the same. In Jesus' name. Amen. One last group of people. I'm going to ask everyone just to look at me. Everyone. Right at the back. Right at the front. I want to speak right into your heart this morning. This is a private moment between you and God. He's here. And He sees you. And you're in this room and you know you're not in right relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. He has done everything He can. He died on the cross to forgive you of your sin. He wants to give you meaning and purpose in your life. And He wants to give you an eternal hope for your tomorrow. And all of that comes through Jesus. It's not by being a good person. It's by receiving Him into your life. You say, Steve, how do I do that? You pray a prayer. You invite Him to come in on the inside. And he'll forgive you. He'll give you a brand new start. It's the first of many steps. But you've got to take that first step. Maybe you once walked with Him. But if you're really honest, you've got off track. You've gone your own way. And you know this morning it's time to come home. So whether this is for the first time, whether this morning you know you need to come back to God, get right with Him through Jesus, I'd love to pray for you. I'm not going to call you out, I'm not going to embarrass you, but it starts with a decision and a prayer. And I'd love for you to make that decision. It would be my greatest honor to pray with you. So one more time, when you bow your heads, close your eyes. This is your moment praying God loves you more than you'll ever imagine. If you're honest and courageous enough to say, yes, Steve, I know I need to get right with God. Would you pray for me? And when I count to three, I'm going to ask you simply to raise your hand so I know who I'm praying for. At the back, at the front, wherever you are. So are you ready? If you want to get right with God, when I count to three, raise your hand. Ready? One, two, three. That's it. Just raise it. That's you. Thank you, sweetheart. Anyone else? Thank you, my friend. Anyone else? just want to give you a moment. Heart may be beating a bit faster. If you want to get right with God, you raise your hand. This is your moment. Beautiful. Come on, let's all pray this prayer together. Repeat after me. Dear Lord Jesus, thank you for what you've done to die for me. And now I need you. Would you come into my heart? Would you forgive my sin? Give me a brand new start. And from this moment forward, I will live for you with your help and strength in Jesus' name. Amen.